We're going to be in Matthew chapter 2 today. So let's go ahead and bow in prayer as we open up. Lord, we thank you to bless this time. I ask you to guide and lead us and show us what you would like to see through this section of scripture we're reading. In Jesus' name, amen. Matthew chapter verse 1, excuse me, verse chapter 2, verse 1. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men out of the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. Then Herod the king, when king Herod the king had heard these words, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for it is written in the prophet, that, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are not the least of the princes of Judea, for out of you shall, be, shall come a governor, and he shall rule my people Israel. And Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child, and when you have found him, Bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. When he had heard, and when they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they had seen in the east went before them, till it came and stood over the, where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced and with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother and flee into Egypt, and you, and be there and until I give you word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. And when he arose, he took the young child and his mother that night and departed into Egypt." We want to look at this, and the story of the wise men is always, if you look at your nativity scene, you see the wise men there at the, at the nativity, at, at the birth of Jesus, but that did not happen uh, when we look at the scriptures. Uh, we look at this, and it says, now the wise men came out of the east. Now, there's a lot of questions about who the wise men are. They came from the east. Most scholars believe that they were of the Prussian, Medo-Persian empire. They were people who looked at the stars, they followed the stars. And one of the things that this time of year we always hear about how if you roll back the planetariums, you can come to this conclusion of stars coming together to create a Christmas star. I've rolled those things back, I've never found one. All right. Besides which, there is never a star that sits in one place all night long. I don't know how many of you pay attention to stars, but outside of the North Star, your stars rotate with the, uh, you know, rotate through the sky. So this was this star that they saw was not a natural occurrence. No matter how much we want to try to have it, this was some supernatural, because the star led them, which meant it had to stay in front of them the whole time that they were traveling, and then the whole time that they were traveling between the very short distance between Jerusalem and Bethlehem. There would be no star in the heaven that would guide them that far. So there had to be a supernatural uh, being, you know, whether it was an angel or something supernatural, I don't know. But this was supernatural. It was not natural because a star would not have been able to guide the distance between 
Jerusalem and Bethlehem. So this was a supernatural event. Uh, because, you know, I'm, I'm all for trying to find natural reasons why something can happen. But, you know, there are things that just happen because God says they're going to happen. And this is one of those events that happened. These wise men from the east came looking for a king. And of naturally, then they got to Israel. They decided, well, the king will be born in Jerusalem because that's where the kings of Israel live. And they must live, they must, he must have been born in the palace. Otherwise, he couldn't be a king. So they went and they talked to Herod. Now, you've got to remember who Herod is. Herod is a usurper. He is not the acknowledged king by the Israelites. They did not recognize him as king, even though he had the title king. He won it by intrigue. And he bought his, he bought his title from the Roman government. He was a really nice guy. Uh, when his sons got old enough to challenge him, he killed off his sons. Uh, he was not beyond shedding blood for people. And this is why when it says, when he heard about a king being born, it troubled him. And I love that little part that we kind of ignore. And all Jerusalem was troubled also. Because it's like, okay, King Herod's not happy. What is he going to do when he's not happy? It's kind of like the statement, with, if mama's not happy, no one's happy. You know, and it can be very much the same way. Herod was not happy. And everybody's like, okay, what is he going to do? You know, how many heads is he going to lop off now because he's not happy? And he heard this, these kings. And some people believe, and I'm on my school of thought, that these were guys that when they came, they would anoint kings and, and they knew and they listened to the, 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 the signs and they knew and they were king makers is one of what many people are. They didn't make the kings, but they, when they were on their side, these guys were advisors. They, they, people listened to them. When they spoke, people go, okay, what are, what are they saying? So these guys show up. And we only hear about the wise men, but you know, these guys were very wealthy. They carried a large, large gifts. They did not come alone. They would have had some, some form of bodyguard with them. So they march into Jerusalem with, the wise men, however many there are, and we don't know how many there are, we get this habit of saying there's three because they give three gifts, but there may have been 20 or 30 of them. There could have been just two or three of them. It could have been a whole, ar a whole army of them. This was a big deal. A king has been born. And even in our day and age, when a king, you know, a, a prince is born, especially a crowned prince, everybody's, all the different governments send, send you know, greetings and gifts and everything. This is... This is not a new thing. That's always been done. A crown prince is born, you send gifts. You acknowledge that this potential leader has been born. And all of a sudden, this huge entourage comes into Jerusalem looking for a king, talking to one who's usurped his position, who's always been afraid of a Messiah. Because remember, Israel always has talked about a Messiah. Even to this day, they talk about a Messiah coming that is going to be their great Messiah, the king who's going to rule out of Jerusalem. Orthodox Jews still talk about a Messiah. Herod has all these people underneath him who don't recognize him as king talking about a Messiah coming. All of a sudden, he gets visitors from the east saying, where is he that has been born the king? Herod was paranoid. He was very paranoid already, and now he's going to be even more paranoid. 
We've got people coming from out of my own country now asking where this king is going to be born. And I don't know if you really can understand this. You know, his, if you think about, if you've done any kind of study in history or anything, and you look at how dictators act when their power is threatened. This is Herod. He is going to go pretty much insane. Like I say, he's killed his sons. His sons get old enough to, to go into battle, and he starts thinking they're old enough now to challenge him. He kills them. It's recorded that he killed five of his sons just because he was jealous that they might take his kingdom from him. And so we see here, now he has panic. So Herod decides that he's going to call all the religious leaders together and said, okay, you guys talk about a Messiah, you keep talking about a Messiah, where will the Messiah be born? What does what your scriptures tell you? And it says that they answered it very quickly. They knew this, this uh, Micah 5.2 that said that Bethlehem is where he would come from. They knew it right off. They go, he's going to be born in Bethlehem. But before Herod told it, he, he took the kings aside and he, he says he, he took them away privately and he diligently questioned them. He interrogated them. He wanted to know exactly when they saw this star appear, how long had they been on the and all this stuff. And we find out later on the reason they wanted to know that, because he was going to, he wanted to know what, what was the age of the child that he had to look for. Now we know that this story is going to happen sometime after the 40 days of purification because the, they're out of the town by then. And by Herod's going to two years out, we know that that's the oldest time that it could be. Now, we don't know when it happened. We don't know when God put the star in the sky to start these guys on their, on their travels. All we know is that what Herod responded to was to kill every child from two years and younger in the Bethlehem area, not even just Bethlehem, but that whole area. He killed every child that was two years and younger. So most people believe that they said, well, we, saw that, we first saw the star two years ago. Now, that doesn't mean Jesus was two years old when they saw him. It just means that God put the star in and they started traveling. Now, we kind of we think about this. You know, they, they probably traveled two or three hundred miles, which for us would be we get into our car, we travel two or three hundred miles in a day. No big deal. We, we can do that. Well, we were talking about a month's worth of travel for these guys. You know, 300 miles, you figure they would travel about 20, between 10 and 20 miles a day. There's a whole entourage with them, so they've got to set up a whole bunch of tents, take down a bunch of tents. It, it would have taken them about a month to travel that far, at least. And they didn't just see the star and say, okay, now we're going we're gonna to take our trip. You had to get all the, all the materials together, the gifts together. So they saw the star, and they made this trip. And Herod is panicked. So he tells them, go find the child. My... my my religious leaders, they tell me that he will be born in Bethlehem and go, and when you find him, come back and tell me because I want to worship him. Now, we don't know. We know that he did not want to worship him. He wanted to make sure that he'd like to get away with just killing one child. And the, the wise men leave, and apparently when you read this, the first star they followed from the east had disappeared. It took them as far as Israel. And when they got to Israel, they decided to go to Jerusalem. When they got out from talking to Herod, it said they rejoiced because the star had come back. 
Now we go, well, why would a God have done this to them? Why wouldn't he have led them straight to Jerusalem? Well, the hard part about that is because there is a prophecy that says that, that the people of Israel would be, of, of Rachel, will be in mourning because of the death of their children. They had, the ball had to be set in motion for the prophecy to be fulfilled, and God allowed it. And you go, well, why would God allow such a hard thing because of the fallen nature of man? Now, people go all the time, well, if God was all-powerful, all-perfect, all why do bad things seem to happen? Or they want him to say, why do bad things happen? Bad things happen because of our sin, our fallen nature. Now, when I was in college, I used to love to tell people, because that was a big thing in the college, you know, if, if there was a God, he could stop all things. I'm going, well, do you want him to stop all bad things? Of course I want him to stop all bad things. I go, then I'm going to pray that you cannot make any decision that will cause anything bad to happen to anybody else. Oh, no, I don't want that. I go, then you don't really want God to, to fix the problem. God could fix the problem of bad. He could just make sure we were robots that could never do anything wrong, never do anything that would harm somebody else. And then he'd just have nobody loving him and choosing to love him. He'd just have a bunch of robots out there that were programmed to do what they were told. And, you know, when you really go down to the bottom, nobody wants to be, have their life changed that way. Now, as a Christian, sometimes I hope maybe we might think it might be a good idea. But God still doesn't want somebody that's just obeying him because they were made to obey. We wouldn't want to have somebody loving us just because they, they had to love us. And God is not looking for that. He allows things to happen so that he can come in and touch people's lives. But the good news for us, all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So God will turn things for good. And it says that they found the child in a home. This is how we know it didn't happen the same night he was born because now he's in a home. Also, the word there for child is not infant. It is anywhere from a, to a young child. So probably a toddler at this point. If it's been two years, if it has been two years, he's, he's a toddler or at least one or so. So we, he's out there. He's no longer a child. Why did they stay? Well, that was Joseph's home. That was his hometown. He had, he had family. He had friends. They might have been still visiting friends. He might have gotten a job out there and say, well, we're here now. I don't, want to, I don't want to travel with a young child back to Nazareth. I don't want to, I don't want to be on a caravan with a child for, for that long a time. For those of us who've traveled with young child, children, we know how hard it is in our day when we have a nice car and car seats and, and all these things. Imagine trying to travel with an with a infant or a toddler uh, at that time, especially when most of it was walking. So you'd have to carry the child most of the day. So we had this problem, and maybe they just decided we're going to stay here now for a while until he's big enough to go back to Nazareth. Uh, we don't know why they stayed there. We don't have any clue. He was home. It wasn't unusual to stay for a long time. Remember when Mary went to visit Elizabeth? She stayed six months. Why? Because it was, a, it was a, about a two-week journey between Nazareth and where, where she'd gone to in Judea. So when you made that long a trip, you just stayed for a while. And they had the idea that you were family. You, they'd put up with you as long as they needed to. Uh, so Joseph is in the city of his home in Bethlehem. And so they were there. And you've got to picture this kind of, you're at your house. 
you and your husband and your little baby are at your house, and all of a sudden this caravan starts coming toward coming into town. You're hearing you're hearing the commotion all about town. You know, this this royal these royal group is coming, this great big band of people are coming. And you know, you know and Jerusalem remember is only about 700 people, 800 people at this time. It's not a very big town. And they're going, this big, this big group is coming to us. They're not soldiers. They're not Romans. You know, what would be, the, what would be going on? And they finally get to Jerusalem. And they start looking for Mary and Joseph and Jesus. Think about this, you know. You're at your house and all of a sudden... Let's say the, the President of the United States shows up at your house, unannounced, and just shows up. Secret Service, everybody, you know, bodyguards, you know, new, in our day, new, new, news reporters and everything else are, are there to find out what's going on. Why, why, is, why are these important people going to that house? They show up at Mary and Joseph's house to, to worship Jesus. Now, you know, we, we sometimes forget, we, we've, we've made these stories into just such a story that we don't really think sometimes about how would we feel. Yeah. There was no telephone message, there was no telegraph, there was no letter to them saying, we're coming to your house, get ready. All of a sudden, outside their house is the bodyguard of this group of people, the, the wise men, however many they were, and they all get down and knock on the door to say, we're here, where, where is he that is born king of the Jews? to Mary and Joseph and they present their gifts and it says they bowed down and offered and worshipped him. This literally meant that they prostrated themselves. In the, in the east and in the far east when people bowed down the lower they bowed down the more important the person was that they were bowing down to. So here they are going to in front of the king of all kings and I can picture that they probably laid down on the ground with their honor. It wasn't just a bow of the head, you know, in recognition of them. It wasn't even a bow at the, at the waist. It was, it, the word they used is prostrated. And then they opened up gifts. And the word they hear, they hear is, they, it says here that they opened up their gifts. Literally, it opened up their, their caskets, their chests. When it says they gave him gold, it wasn't just a few pieces of gold. It had, it showed some kind of chest. Now, how big? It could be a small chest. It could be a big chest. But they were given gold. And that's the gift you gave to kings. King, the, the gold represents, represents kings. They gave him frankincense. Frankincense was the gift you gave to a priest. Frankincense were used to be burnt in the in the holy places of the of all the gods and even even God had a frankincense that were burned before him in the oil, in the oil we have that going on and then they gave him myrrh which is a bitter perfume that is used in embalming in their day very all these gifts were very very expensive gifts but they did they represented the fact that they were going to see a king and a priest Jesus was two offices put together into one, one office. According to Hebrews, he is the king 
and he is a high priest after the order of Melchizedek, which is in Genesis, if you want to read about Melchizedek. He's the one that met Abraham after the battle of the seven kings, and Abraham gave him an offering, and that king blessed him, and we don't know anything about the birth or anything about it. He's called the king of Salem or the king of peace. Most people, including myself, believe that it was a picture of Jesus incarnate before, before he was born. Um, and so that he was honored by Abraham because Jesus even told the, the Pharisees, before Abraham was, I am. So he says, I existed long before that. And we talked last week that Jesus was not born on Christmas Day, did not begin to exist on Christmas Day. He was just put into human flesh on Christmas Day or his birthday. And so we see here, they honor him as king and as priest. And also foreshadowed his death. God knew from the foundations of the world or before the foundations of the world that Jesus was going to come, be born as a human, and was going to die on the cross and then be born uh, resurrected. This was the plan from before creation. And we've already looked at this a couple of times, you know. It just it blows my mind that God would create man knowing that we were going to sin, knowing that he was going to have to die for our for us and still created us. It just it's it's mind boggling to think about that. Uh, because I know I'm not worth it from the way I look at myself. You know, and yet he did it. He died for us. And he did this on the plan and these men somehow knew what was going to happen. Now, one of the things that people think are these guys, if they came from the Medo-Persian Empire, they probably were the people that Daniel was put in charge of when he was raised up in power during that period of time. And so he, they would have understood the Jewish scriptures. They would have known about the Messiah. They would have known all the verses and understood that there was a, was a coming king for the, for the Jews. It's possible. We're not going to rule that out. God could have told them directly. We don't know. Uh, it's also looked at when, when you study the stars. God said the stars were put in there for signs. And the gospel is literally written across the skies, starting with Virgo the virgin all the way to Leo the lion. And you see the, vir you see the virgin. You see the, the redemption. You see, you see uh, uh, Hercules the hunter with his foot over, Orion the hunter with his foot over the serpent's head. The serpent's ready to bite his foot. It's a beautiful thing when you see the stars for what they really are, not for what they become. Uh, Satan is, Satan is, created the counterfeit of astrology for God's story in the, in the sky. And Satan always counterfeits. And a lot of pastors are afraid to talk about the gospel in the sky because of astrology has taken over that spot so, so thoroughly. Uh, but it is beautiful. These guys knew the story. They knew there was a coming king. They knew there was redemption coming. They knew that there was a victorious king to rule. So they could have just known that story. And it's a very beautiful thing as we look at. They knew, and now they were coming to worship the king, the king that was coming. And we see this story, and they honor this. Can, but put yourself in Mary. It says that Mary pondered all these things. Now, all these people telling her, she had Gabriel visiting her. Joseph now is getting vision saying to go ahead and marry her because, you know, this is his child. They, they go to the temple, and two, two older uh, very righteous people go come up to them and say, we've finally seen him. This is the Messiah. 
Now they're getting a visit. They got the visit from the shepherds. We, we, the angels told us that he's here. Now they've got the kings giving them very lavish gifts. Now, these lavish gifts are going to help support them when they have to go to Egypt because we don't know how long they're in Egypt for, but they're going to be in Egypt for several years, and these gifts are going to allow them to rent a place and buy food and, and that type of stuff or buy a place, whatever they did. And we see all of this stuff going on, and they traveled to see Jesus. When they got done, it said an angel told them, do not go back to Herod. Now, I don't think they needed a whole lot of explanation about why not to go back to Herod. These guys were wise counselors. They probably saw a little bit of the deception in Herod's voice and, and things, because somebody who is good at counseling usually can see when somebody's lying. But they were told, go back another way, so they went another way, and Herod got irate. It doesn't tell us how long he waited, but his, I'm sure he probably had spies following them and looking for them, and when they, when they left the country, he knew it. And God protected Jesus by coming in with an angel and telling Joseph, take the mother and the baby to Egypt. Now, this is also going to fulfill another prophecy where God says that out of Egypt I have called my son. So we have this whole process of that going in. And I love it because it says Joseph was obedient. That night after he got it, he got up and he started taking Mary away. And from this way it's written, he didn't even wait for a caravan. He just said, Mom, you know, Mary and the baby are in, are in danger. I'm getting, out, I'm getting out of Bethlehem. And he left. And then Herod came and killed all the children in that area. Actually, his soldiers did. But that was the horrendousness of Herod. Herod was known for doing this kind of stuff. But all of these things were done so that prophecies would be filled. What we need to be able to always look at is how fast do we obey God? How many times has God told you something? And you're going, well, God, maybe if possibly you, you do some things and I, and I feel like it, I'll do it. Or God, in, 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 and eventually I'll get around to doing it. I've heard people, when you witness to them, well, I still have a long time to live. I'll, I'll get saved when I'm older. You know, well, nobody guaranteed you any more time. And this is something that we, when God tells us to do something, we need to be obedient to talk to what he's telling us to do because we don't know how much time we have. Now, ideally, we probably have 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 years. But how many of us know people who have died as teenagers in their 20s? Everyone, everybody who dies usually thinks they have lots of time left. Very few people go know that they have some kind of time, time limit because they're so sick. Everybody who dies had plans for the next day. At least. I'm going to go to the store tomorrow. Didn't make it till tomorrow. I'm going to go do whatever. We need to be ready to listen to God and be obedient. And it's tough. I understand it is tough to always be obedient to God and do what he asks us to do. But the more we know his voice and the more we know his care, the more we can be obedient to him. And I can tell you it's a lot more fun when you're, you're obedient faster than slow. I've done it both ways. Uh, 
When, when you sit there and you fight God and you fight God, it's, it's a long battle. He tends to get his way <laughs> eventually. It's much more fun when you just give in and say, God, okay, I'm going to do it. And I do it both ways and have still, in the future, we'll probably do it both ways. But I hope you understand what it is when it's like when just be obedient to God and do what he says and do it quickly. Don't argue with him. He makes life miserable when you argue with him and makes life hard when you're arguing with him. We need to learn to listen to his voice and move and just be obedient. Even when it sounds crazy. There's times when God's asked you things to do crazy that makes no sense whatsoever. And you go, God, it just makes no sense. How, how can this work out? And you obey and you watch God do great things with it. You know, Joseph could have waited. He goes, well, you know, I'm not sure that this was a real vision. I'm, I'm just going to stick around. I'm kind of, kind of comfortable. And it's going to take us a few days to pack up. Uh, and then everything would have been over. You know, Joseph gets the short end of all the, all the stories about this. But, you know, he took Mary as his wife when she was pregnant because he was told it was God's child. He takes him immediately to Egypt because it's God's child. And obviously, he listened when God said it was time to go back to Nazareth. Joseph was quite a righteous man and listened to God in spite of what little we know about him. You know, and he never, gets, he never gets many stories about him or get talked about very often, but, you know, because he is a minor character because of, he's just the husband. <laughs> you know, the husband, and it's not even his child. But that is a great step forward when he honored God in that. And we look at this story and how God brought all the pieces together. All the prophecies were brought together and lifted up and protected so that he could live to be our sacrifice. Jesus came to this world knowing one very important thing. He came to die. And in his case, he knew exactly how he was going to die. Most of us have no clue how we're going to die. We, we, you know, we might hope to die in our bed you know, while we're sleeping. Not too many people die that way. But that's, our, that's everybody's hope. I just want to, I want to go to sleep one night and wake up in heaven. Jesus knew that he was headed to a cross. He knew that he was taking on the sins of the world. He knew that he was going to be separated from the Father because of that. He also knew that three days later he was going to be resurrected. Our good news for us as Christians, when we die, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. We just step out of our body and we go into the spirit realm with God, right? No problem whatsoever. I'm looking forward to that day. I really am. I'm looking forward to the day when I just step out and I'm standing in front of God. I just don't want the pain of dying. (laughs) But you know what? I know that on the other side, is eternal life in the presence of the Father. We have eternal life now. We are in the presence of the Father now, but I'm looking forward to being able to look at him, hear him, see him, you know, feel him, whatever that means. To be in his presence is going to be a wonderful event for us if we're saved. The flip side it is if somebody's not saved, eternal punishment and hell and pain and suffering without him. 
So we need to be able to know we have great things coming. The greatest thing that can happen to us as a Christian is that we die. And I know that sounds really strange when I say it, but you know, isn't it? The moment we die, we're in God's presence. What a difference it's going to be. Adam and Eve had that presence of God every evening they walked and talked with God. And then they sinned and lost it all. And they lost it for all of their descendants until we die with his righteousness. But God is wonderful. He loves us so much. He died for us because we could not pay our debt so that we could enter into heaven, not because of things we do or even things that we don't do. It's just as much sin to not do the things we're supposed to do we know we're not supposed to do and this is where many of us Christians fail we might be good about not doing the things we're, we're, that God tells us not to do but do we really listen to him and do all the things he says to do he says to share the gospel he, shares, he says all kinds of things that do we do the things that we're told to do if we don't that is also sin sins of omission are just as bad as commission so if we don't do something, we're still guilty. And this is the hard thing because these are, uh, the more we grow in Christ, the more we end up with these sins of omission that we're getting out. God says, I told you to do this. Oh, you meant me? God, you meant me? You wanted me to do those things? And we want to keep this looking at what God is, is going to do. Lord, we just thank you for this day. Help us always to recognize king and priest you are the savior you are our master help us to keep that in mind and lord if there's anybody listening on the on the internet that doesn't know you that we ask today they will confess that they're a sinner and accept your gift of salvation you paid the debt and ask you to come and dwell in them and that they will talk to some christians and let them know what they've done and we just thank you in jesus name amen listening friend do you know where you'll go after you die Without the gift of Jesus, it will be an eternity in hell without God. Good works will not get you there. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. To spend eternity with God, we must recognize that we are sinners in need of Christ. For all of sin and come short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. To be assured eternal life, we simply talk to God, admit you are a sinner, and ask him for his free gift. You must mean the words to get the, to be answered. Jesus is waiting to hear your request. If you have asked him for eternal life, he has come into you and he will change you. Start reading the book of Ephesians and see what God says about your new life. After you understand the book of Ephesians, you can start reading the Gospel of John. Next, find a good Bible teaching church. Tell the pastor about your decision for God and be taught. If you contact us, we will send you a new believer booklet free of charge. Congratulations and grow in Christ. You can contact us by email at office at chloridebaptistchurch.com or by snail mail at P.O. Box 65, Chloride, Arizona 86431. We are happy to help with your new life in Christ or even answering Bible questions. Again, congratulations on your decision for Christ.